Uh, for someone like me who does it once every three months, six months, what have you, it's a little different because you're almost starting over every time. <laughs> so a little rust even. But I think the fact that we do that weekly teaching team keeps me in the loop, so to speak. And as I'm seeing you or Mike or whoever else is teaching, um, go through your notes and prepare for it. It just keeps you active in that process. So that way it's not so uh, cold turkey, mm-hmm. so to speak, when it's, when it's my time uh, to fill the pulpit. Hi, and welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 209. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. Well, this week, we're privileged to listen in on a conversation between Nick Cady and Sean Gilliam, both of whom uh, serve together on the leadership team at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, Nick serves full-time, or vocationally, as the lead pastor, and Sean is a real estate agent by day and a teaching elder in the evenings and on the weekends. So in other words, he's bivocational, or to use different vocabulary, Sean is a lay preacher. Now, I know that many of our listeners and those who attend our training weekends are in a very similar situation or stage of life, um, volunteering in their church or serving in bivocational ministry. So we're deliberately highlighting more and more bivocational voices as a way to honor those who serve in this capacity, as well as recognizing that all of us have got a lot to learn from those who labor in word and doctrine while bringing in a paycheck from another field of employment. Towards the end of this conversation, Nick and Sean speak about the valuable benefits that came from an Expositors Collective training event that Sean attended last year. And it's just perfect timing for me to remind you that our next training weekend is coming up in just a few short weeks. February 18th and 19th in Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We will have a walk-up rate for those of you who just show up on the day, but it's cheaper for you and it's better for us organizationally if you register in advance at expositorscollective.com. You could find more details there about accommodation and price, etc. at expositorscollective.com. Seriously, I hope to see you there. Okay, now here's Nick Cady and Sean Gilliam on bivocational ministry and the unique calling of lay preaching. Welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. This is Pastor Nick Cady, and I'm joined today by Sean Gilliam. Hey, Sean. Hi. Good to have you with us. Well, thank you. Um, you know, one of the things we do a lot at the Expositors Collective, we talk about training, and we talk about training people preaching messages, but we realize that, you know, a big part of our audience isn't necessarily people who are full-time vocational pastors. Um, we have a lot of people who we've been in contact with through the Expositors Collective, both through our training weekends and through our online communities, like on our Facebook group and things like that, who are preaching occasionally. Uh, they might be part of a, part of a preaching team. Um, some of them are bivocational pastors, and so they have a full-time job, and they're also pastoring a church. Maybe they're involved in planting a church. Sometimes they're youth leaders uh, who are teaching youth once a week or once a month, and they, you know, 
face this unique challenge of not having dedicated time necessarily as part of their job to prepare messages. And so one of the things we wanted to address was what are some of the unique challenges of lay preachers and, um, and how can we as a community help? And so to that end, uh, I wanted to bring you on, Sean, to talk about that. Now, maybe we could just tell people you're part of our leadership here at Whitefields Community mm-hmm. Church, which is where I pastor. And you're part of our leadership. You're also part of our preaching team. And you also have a full-time job that's outside of ministry. So mm-hmm. uh, I thought you're a good candidate for this. And so thanks for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So Sean, let's just uh, introduce you to our listeners. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, including like your education, where you're from, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you know, grew up in a Christian home, so I knew the gospel from an early age. Um, but I would, I would say that I really, uh, devoted my life to Christ. Um, when I was 21, I was a senior in college. And uh, at that time I was finishing up my bachelor's degree in psychology. Um, and then, you know, when I became a believer, you know, I was really excited to know the Lord, started going to church, um, just was a sponge for learning. So I was reading books, you know, uh, whatever classes, Bible studies or community groups, as we call them here, uh, I would just attend those and, and really get involved and study the material. Um, I worked for a year after that, and then I got my master's degree in social work in Chicago at the University of Illinois, Chicago. So I wanted to do that as a Christian because that put me right there on the streets of Chicago to minister to the people. And so it was a great opportunity. Uh, I went to Moody Church at the time, and sometimes I would uh, get together with some of the Moody students and go out and minister on the streets of Chicago, whether it was sidewalk evangelism or going out and serving uh, people in the area. So it was a lot of good experience and uh, really exposed me to uh, a lot of different or other Christians with their spiritual gifts and how God was using them. So it was, uh, it was, it was a great time. And then uh, from there, yeah, like I said, I moved back out to the suburbs and attended church, took classes at my church. The church that I used to go to uh, really was big on doing classes like our Bible learning center that we have here. And so I would take a lot of those. And over time, uh, some of the leadership of the church recognized uh, my spiritual gifting and then said, hey, you know, you want to help out with teaching. And so I would teach in the youth ministry. I would teach uh, an, or I taught an adult uh, Bible study class or a, an adult Sunday school class. And we did uh, a survey of the Bible. We did um, systematic theology and then other uh, courses as well. I taught a class on counseling, those kinds of things, since that was my background uh, professionally. And so that was something in addition to working a day job, I was getting involved actively in the church and um, studying and and teaching and those kinds of things. So it was a a good experience and it was great to see, um, you know, the work that God did in my heart to grow me over uh, that period of time. Uh, Long story short, uh, just recently, you know, moving to Colorado back in 2008, um, continued on working in the field in education and social work. And, uh, and got to a point where, you know, I was ready to, to move on to something else. And so I got into real estate and that allowed me the flexibility to uh, be self-employed so that I would have time to get out and serve in the church. That was the main reason behind wanting to do that. And so, uh, now, now I have the time, I don't have a set eight to five schedule with possible overtime. It's, uh, I mean, I do work 24 seven, so to speak, but I still have time to get out and do things and get involved in the church, be a part of um, some of the leadership process here 
that we'll talk about. Uh, but yeah, it's just been a real blessing to have that kind of flexibility and to get involved and uh, be part of the church. Um, I did at one point want to do full-time ministry, but uh, I really like the, the way this works now. Um, yeah. You know, having a full-time job, but having the flexibility to, to get involved. Yeah. And I know that you, at one point you served as a missionary, right? So mm -hmm. was that kind of your foray into is full-time ministry for me? Yeah. At the time I was, um, the elders of my church said, we see a call, we see that you should be involved in full-time ministry in some capacity. And they said, you know, why don't, uh, here's an opportunity to go serve on the mission field. And so I said, yeah, I'll go for it. So I quit my job, uh, moved to South Africa for a little over a year and served uh, alongside a missionary uh, doing a church plant. And so I got involved in teaching the youth. Um, I filled the pulpit a couple of times and, uh, and then also took a semester at the Bible college down there uh, and studied, you know, basic things like uh, Old Testament, New Testament survey, took a semester of Greek, uh, those kinds of things. Just to, again, like I said, I was a sponge. I just wanted to learn things so that I could better understand God and know him and then also better understand his word so that I could go out and continue to teach others. So, mm. yeah. And you've also taught at like a uh, Bible school that I, I currently am teaching at every year. And I know that you had taught there in the past. I mm -hmm. mean, maybe just talk a little bit about that. Yeah. When I moved to this area, um, one of the pastors uh, that I had known from my old church, he was going to send his kid over to Ravencrest. And uh, so he talked to them and said, Hey, you know, why don't you plug Sean in? And so uh, I taught, uh, a class or two over the course of a, a few semesters over there. So good opportunity to serve just up the hill from where I live. Yeah. And I, I think what it highlights for me is just the fact that there are opportunities out there mm -hmm. to be teaching, uh, to be even preaching in some cases uh, for those who are kind of uh, prepared and willing and, and able. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. And so uh, Sean, what are you currently doing here at our church? Maybe for our listeners sake. Yeah, I, I serve on the elder board and then also uh, teach in the Bible Learning Center. And so I think that's a great asset that this church has. Yeah, what is the Bible Learning Center? It's uh, in addition to our community groups. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to start some adult Sunday school classes. Um, but it's it's during the week and the evenings when people have time to get out and they're thirsting for more knowledge. They want to know God. They want to know his word. And so we have classes uh, that we host uh, a few times a year so that people can can do just that. And so like last semester or last spring, I taught uh, the Old Testament survey. And then here in a few weeks, we're going to start the New Testament survey. So just a good opportunity. Um, I probably learn just as much, if not more than people in the class, mm -hmm. just as you're pouring yourself into God's word and, and studying it and getting the, the broad uh, spectrum of, of what his plan is for redemption. Um, it's just, uh, it's just a blessing to be able to do it. So. Yeah. And so that's, uh, I always call our Bible learning center. I call it like Bible college for people who don't have time to go to Bible. College. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the heart behind it. We know a lot of people here, man, I'd love to go to Bible college. I don't know if I can take off two years of my life to go to Bible college. Mm -hmm. I've got kids, I've got a job, et cetera. Yep. And, and Sean, you also teach on Sunday mornings sometimes. Yes. I fill the pulpit sometimes when you guys are out, uh, doing various things or if you're, you're, you're sick, that kind of thing. So it's a, it's a great opportunity to, to help you guys out because uh, uh, it's a lot of work to teach every Sunday throughout the year. So uh, it's good to, to fill in. So yeah, it's, uh, I love to serve in that regard. And it's just great to, to be in a church that allows that. Yeah. Um, and you know, here's my take on it is that um, 
I think a church is stronger for having um, multiple voices speaking mm-hmm. into it, multivocality, if you will. Um, I think that you know any church that that's why I love the idea of having a teaching team. Mm-hmm. I still, of course, personally do most of the teaching at our church. Um, but I love the idea that we can have people come in. It's not just like, um, you know, we have guest speakers come in to relieve the pastor, but it's actually like, this is our church. This is who we are. This is our community. And we're a community in which people are raised up. They are commissioned, different voices are speaking in. I think that's healthier. And, you know, on this topic of lay preaching, uh, we would be amiss if we didn't acknowledge the fact that really there's a rich history and tradition, particularly in the Protestant tradition of lay preachers, people mm-hmm. who are, um, you know, leading congregations and also have jobs on the side. And I know this is going all the way back, you know, centuries, uh, this has been the case. Um, but it's also the case in the majority of the world. You mm-hmm. realize that in the majority of the world, in most churches, particularly Protestant churches, they don't have um, full-time pastors. They might have a bivocational pastor. And in many cases, they have uh, elders in the church who teach. And right. and so this is something that I think is, is worth talking about. Now, Sean, what do you think and what have you experienced? What are some issues that are uniquely faced by lay preachers? You know, I think one is uh, the time. Um, I mean, with my career, I have a little more flexibility because I don't have to report for duty, you know, between certain hours. Um, so that's helpful in my case. Uh, but I think, you know, having the, t- the time to prepare for sermons, I think one thing that's helpful is that if you know you're going to be out uh, for a Sunday, you tell me well in advance, a good month, month and a half. And that's enough time for me to start right away to get into that passage, to to prayerfully read through it and get some ideas and see uh, what that text is talking about. And then I keep doing that over time up until that last week. Um, and then that's when I really pour my heart into it and set aside time in my schedule intentionally to do mm-hmm. so. Uh, the other thing that I think um, can be a challenge, but I think we have an answer for it is our, our team meeting. Like once a week, as you alluded to earlier, we get together as a teaching team and go, whoever's teaching that coming Sunday will present their outline um, the text that they're going to be studying or, or teaching on. And it's just really helpful to hear what they're talking about. You're learning about the text at the same time we're talking about it. And then we can all give some input on uh, the different passage or, or ideas that might be helpful to minister to the congregation. So um, that's a huge help. And even if, um, you know, like you talked about, you, you do it every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so you've kind of got a a good routine going and you know how to prepare. And uh, even if time is tight, you you've done it enough times that uh, it, it's helpful to you uh, for someone like me who does it once every three months, six months, what have you. Um, it's a little different because you're almost starting over every time. <laughs> so a little rusty even, but I think the fact that we do that weekly teaching team keeps me in the loop, so to speak. And as I'm seeing you or Mike uh, or whoever else is teaching um, go through your notes and prepare for it. It just keeps you active in that process. So that way it's not so uh, cold Turkey, mm-hmm. so to speak when it's, when it's my time uh, to fill the pulpit. Yeah. You know, this is one of the things we talk a lot about at the Expositors Collective is this idea of preaching mentorships. In other words, not just like you locking yourself in the room and then, you know, appearing and <laughs> saying, here it is, you know, like yeah. here's the sermon. Um, not, so there's two sides to that. On the one hand, 
we realize that like, I think that I have a limited horizon of knowledge and uh, even the, the things I'm experiencing in my life, I'm better off to have other people brought into the process. And I think the congregation benefits, mm. but there's another reason why I do that. And I've, I've stated this before and I'll state it now too, is that I, um, I want to bring other guys into the process, not just to help me have more ideas and more insight, but also because by being part of the process, as you mentioned in the weekly meeting, that's also kind of training you and training others about how I think, about mm-hmm. how I prepare a message. Here's how the sermon is actually created, right? Mm-hmm. This is what it looks like. Come behind the curtain, take a look. This is the actual process that takes place. And as we do that, then you essentially are being trained to think in those ways. Okay, here's how Nick does it. Maybe mm-hmm. I could do it that way or you know, take what's good and adapt it to what works for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really helpful. Yeah. I, you know, so much of what I've learned as a preacher and as a pastor has come through uh, learning a lot of things the hard way and not knowing how they were done mm-hmm. and having to figure it out. And I think that one of the gifts that we can give to people is to say, hey, rather than you having to learn everything the hard way, uh, let me show you how I do this mm-hmm. so that we can kind of um, save you some time. And also I think about this, it's some people would say, well, you know, that preacher needs to learn things the hard way because that's the only real way to learn things. <laughs> I would say, okay, maybe they do need to learn things the hard way. But in the meantime, think about that congregation that has to suffer through <laughs> that as well. Like for the sake of your people, don't you want your people to hear good sermons? Yeah. And this goes back a couple of years ago. Um, several years now, we had a, a guy in the church. He had a great theological education uh, from a, a great seminary. And yet he had never really done much preaching. He didn't work in a church or anything like that. But, um, you know, I, I had been like, man, we should really get this guy involved. And so I put him on the schedule one time and said, hey, you're going to preach. And he even told me, like, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> and I was like, no, you'll be fine. Just get out there and do it. So he uh, he prepared a message and it was not good. Mm. Like, and I say that, you know, to be, I don't want to sound mean, but I mean, objectively, it was it was not good. It was not good exegetically. Um, it, there were things that he said that were questionable theologically, right? Like mm. it did not go well. And I remember saying to one of our staff members afterwards, I said, I'm never letting that guy teach again. And the staff member responded to me and said, well, how did you expect him to succeed if you didn't train him mm. to succeed? Right. And I was like, oh, dang, that's it right there. And I realized in that moment, thankfully, it was like a prophetic word in a way that this person uh, gave, which was, well, yeah, of course. How did I expect him to succeed if I hadn't put in any work at all in telling him how to succeed? Mm -hmm. And so I actually did uh, have that person teach again. And this time I spent a lot more time preparing and it was much better. But um, I think that's, you know, if we're going to, have people preach. We want to train them how to do it well. And here's the other thing. Not only was that a bad sermon and here, think about all the effects of that. That guy probably feels terrible that he preached a bad sermon and that I'm sure it's on some level he could tell that it did, did not go well. Mm. The people who came to church, they weren't particularly edified. Um, 
And let's think any outsiders who came in, we're recently studying through 1 Corinthians 14, which tells us that we should be cognizant of the fact that there are visitors and outsiders in our church on any given Sunday. Right. I mean, think about anybody who walked in for the first time and heard that sermon. Um, you know, I don't think that many of them would have been that excited to come back. So we're doing a disservice to our church. We're doing a disservice to the lay preacher if we don't give them the tools to succeed. Yeah. So, Sean, you mentioned what are these tools to succeed? Well, you mentioned one thing is giving a lay pre- preacher proper time to prepare. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we've done is, you know, we have a whole schedule, schedule it out as much in advance as we can, even if it's just the date that you're on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And one step beyond that is to say, not only here's the date you're on the calendar, but here's the passage to teach from. Yeah. Um, what other tools or helps do you think that a church can give to lay preachers to help them succeed? Well, I think that fellowship, um, you know, if they're not doing it already, have a teaching team, have people that you recognize that are, these are our guys in the congregation that have the gift to some degree or another, let's equip them. And that's what God calls us to do is equip one another, um, equip people to use their gifts in the church to minister to the congregation. Uh, you know, we're, as individuals ourselves, we should have a desire to train ourselves up, um, you know, stir up those gifts that God has given us. And so uh, that's one of the things uh, that I think sets a, a good teacher out is that they want to learn. They want to study. You know, David said this in the Psalms, like, God, teach me your ways that I would know you. And then therefore I can turn around and teach others. I mean, that has to be the mindset, the heart of a teacher and so a church would uh, really do a good service if they had the teaching team. So there was that regular weekly fellowship and seeing people that teach all the time, how they do it, mm-hmm. what goes through the process of getting their sermon together. How do they do an outline? Uh, and, and like you said, you can glean from that. You can, your style might be a little bit different. I know some pastors really like to write out a manuscript and go through it verbatim. Uh, and then some of us are more of a, an outline where a sentence and an outline will trigger a whole discussion about something. So it just depends on where people are at. But um, but watching people go through the process helps to prepare you uh, how you're going to do it yourself. Again, so it's not cold turkey and you're, you're going, wait, what's the best way to do it? If you know the basic structure of it, that's one less thing to think about. Now you can focus on the text and what it actually says and how God can use you to minister to the congregation. And as I know you experience when you're going through those texts, God is working in your heart. You've got experiences in your life that God has brought you through uh, to teach you more about him, to trust him more. And, uh, and in so doing, you're more focused on that rather than the basic outline or structure of how to get prepared. Because if you don't have that, that can trip you up and you end up spending more time on that than really knowing the text so that you can then turn around and teach it to others. And it seems that like giving somebody enough time and Mm -hmm. having a community of people who are, you know, involved in this sermon preparation process together, I would imagine for a lay preacher, let's say, you know, you've got three weeks to prepare. You start looking at your text and you're like, oh, this is a tricky Mm -hmm. verse. It gives you the opportunity to go back to the group and say, hey, I need some help with this. Do you got any resources, right, that we can recommend that you use? So I think that would be uh, helpful as well. Now, here's something I have created, and I think that everybody who's kind of in the process of sermon preparation regularly uses is some form of a template. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about a template is that you kind of know the structure 
of a sermon or at least the structure you like to use. Mm -hmm. And, and so then you kind of plug elements into it. And so do you use any form of template? I do. Uh, you set up the, the outline that you do with the main idea and there's a sentence that we present to the congregation as part of, Hey, here's the main idea that I want you to focus on as we're going through the text. And then your outline is based on that sentence and in, in its various parts. And uh, I think it's helpful for the congregation to do, to be consistent in that regard, because then they know what to expect and uh, it helps them to make more sense of the text and follow along. And so I've, I've taken a class on how to prepare uh, sermons, that kind of thing. And so there's all sorts of different ideas out there, mm-hmm. but it, it's just nice to have one, Hey, this is how I do it. What do you guys think? And then we can tweak it as we, as we wish, but if we have the basic structure so that it's consistent for the congregation out there. I think that's really helpful. Yeah. So using that summary and outline sentence idea is uh, something that I've come to love, but it, it's a lot of work. I got to tell you, it's, you know, it comes across as a simple thing, mm-hmm. but man, sometimes creating that sentence can be hard because it's not just a sentence that you're saying. It also is an outline for the entire section of scripture. Yeah. Have, do you use that when you preach? Do you use that same model of like, here's a summary sentence and now we're going to break that down? Or do you use a different model? What do you use? I've, I've acclimated to the structure that you put. Like I said, there's different ideas out there, but it just... It's just nice and easy and for the, the sake of the congregation to have them see it. And you're right, it is hard because it's an abstract of your outline. And so you really have to think about how you want to present the text and what the key points are so that you can have that main idea, that sentence uh, that is meaningful and understandable and is representative of the greater outline or the the, um, the notes that you're going to present to them in the message. So, yeah. So, Sean, do you... Th- can you think of any uh, thoughts, tips, strategies that you could recommend for lay preachers listening to this that would help them in their sermon preparation? Maybe help them with time management or help them with, um, you know, preaching better? What, what are some thoughts? You know, I think being a student of the word on a regular basis uh, is very helpful. Uh, I think really developing your relationship with God, you know, having a regular fellowship with him each and every day. So that way it's not just mere knowledge, textbook knowledge, but it's a fellowship with God that's ongoing. Uh, Because as you do that, God is working in your heart. Uh, He gives you wisdom. He gives you understanding uh, so that you're, you're looking at the text the way God wants you to. And God is working it out in your heart uh, in the way you live um, uh, in a way that's pleasing to him. And so when you get that way, by the time you get up on Sunday morning to talk about it, it's real to you. You, you love God and you love the people and you want to present this, these sound truths to them mm-hmm. in, a, in a way that's genuine. Um, it's not just, uh, you know, regurgitation of facts in an orderly fashion. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you want to get to the heart of the people mm-hmm. with who God is so that they'll, they'll come away mm-hmm. uh, with a, a desire to know God and a delight in him. So, yeah. yeah, one thing I always say is that I think that, Good preaching is the outworking of two loves, love for God and love for people. Mm-hmm. And I think they're both really important mm-hmm. because we want to preach accurately. We want to uh, divide the word right because we love God and we want to honor him. But we also want to do it for the sake of these people. Mm-hmm. And I love what you're saying. You, you want to build into people a love for God. Yeah. And I think that that's really important. Yeah. Um, 
you know, going up there isn't just to like show people what you've learned. And I thought that was actually a pretty good way of putting it like an orderly fashion of just regurgitating facts. Mm -hmm. If that's all we're doing, I mean, are we really serving people well? So yeah, that's good. Now, Sean, you've attended some of our Expositors Collective events. Actually, I think you've attended one in person Mm -hmm. and maybe listened to some other sessions Mm -hmm. from others. Um, so I know you were at the Colorado Springs training event. We have another training event coming up soon. And so maybe you could just tell people who are listening who might, you know, what, what do you think was most beneficial for you as a lay preacher at those events? And would you recommend them to go and why? I would recommend them to go because we all come from different backgrounds. Um, we come from different schools of thought, so to speak. Uh, we have, uh, a lot of experience with studying God's word or reading uh, books about God's word or, or a little amount. It just depends on where you're at individually. And I think the more you can get together uh, with godly men and study and uh, share in fellowship, you can't lose. Uh, it's not a waste of time. You can't lose for having done so. So I think uh, one of the things that I liked about it is really focusing on that Christ-centered aspect of the Bible, that Christ is in it from the beginning to the end. And, uh, you know, that it seems common sense as you read the scriptures. Um, but I, I know early on as a Christian, I didn't really think about that, you know, cause you're just reading through the old Testament and you're just seeing all these different stories in the historical narrative and you're not necessarily thinking about Christ. It's a process as you grow as a Christian, uh, in knowing God and in knowing his word that you start to get these things. And, uh, so that's why I think it's, it's, it's essential for, for teachers um, uh, lay preachers to really expose yourself as much as possible uh, to to hearing other people teach, to reading books, to coming things uh, coming to things like the Expositors Collective to to hear these things and then talk about it because uh, I think there's so much learning that takes place when there's that fellowship afterwards uh, talking about a topic that they just pre- uh, presented. Uh, there's just so much growth that happens there. And uh, whether it's, it's encouraging others or ministering to others and vice versa, all of that is just essential for growing as a Christian. Uh, and then also uh, better equipping you to be a teacher um, on Sunday mornings or the youth ministry or adult Bible school or uh, Bible classes, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that one of the other really big uh, things that's helpful for it in the Expositors Collective as well as in like what we're talking about with a preaching mentorship or a preaching team type meeting uh, is that there's the opportunity for feedback. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is um, something that we all need. I mean, I know I need feedback and I'll tell you why I recently was talking to uh, Mike Neglia, the other host or the main host of this podcast. And Mike was telling me, you know, we, we were discussing the fact that it's really hard to tell sometimes, you know, what's, what's good Mm -hmm. when it comes to sermons and like content, because, um, of course there's the supernatural aspect of it. Like the Holy spirit inspires not only the, the words, Mm -hmm. but in the heart of the hearer. Um, and yet like there have been so many times when I think that what I'm preaching, I think like, this is an awesome message and it just falls totally flat. And the opposite is probably more often true Mm -hmm. where I'm like, this is just, 
horrible. And then people come up to me afterwards and God used it in some way in their Mm -hmm. life, which is totally grace. But my point is that we need other people because that's the nature of blind spots. Mm -hmm. You can't see them and you need other people uh, who can see those things about you or Mm -hmm. about what you're preparing that you are blind to in order to kind of say, Hey, this is great. And this not so great, maybe not helpful for people, maybe leave this out, um, do more of that. Mm -hmm. That's immensely helpful. And we do provide that at the Expositors Collective, just the opportunity to get some feedback Mm -hmm. um, on those mini sermons you preach. And you know what? You can take it or leave it. Maybe you think that that feedback was terrible, but I'm sure there will be something in there that you can walk away with and say, you know what? That's really good and I needed to hear it. And I think that's also a benefit to having a a preaching mentorship and a teaching team Mm -hmm. like what we've been describing. Yeah. And I, I do like that, that we did that at the conference and we had actually, you had led us in that here uh, as part of the teaching team a couple of years ago. And I think that's really good. One, uh, just the fact that, Hey, by the way, be prepared to teach a 10 minute sermon next week, Mm -hmm. you know? uh, Oh, (laughs) Um, in our, in our human weakness, uh, there's always that natural nervousness about getting up to talk in front of people. And so I think it's great to just kind of help us, especially if you're a, a lay teacher and you don't have a whole lot of experience, you got to you gotta kind of go through that and kind of burn off the dross of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those needless fears about getting in front of people and all those kinds of fleshly minded things that get in the way. You got you to gotta work through that and get to the point where you're comfortable enough to say, you know what? this is a a blessing to be able to serve that God is using me to be able to minister to others, what God has already ministered to me. And so I I just think that's a a great opportunity because you saw uh, all the the guys there getting nervous, like, Oh man, I got to do this uh, for 10 minutes. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's just a natural part of our, again, our human weakness. We just got to work through that. And uh, um, because you got to be able to have some success in that and get some feedback about what you're doing well and maybe what you can tweak or, or grow in so that when you get to the time where somebody says, Hey, can you fill the pulpit on a Sunday morning? Yeah, there's going to be some nervousness, but you've got some experience under your belt enough to, to know what you got to do to be prepared to, to, to serve well. So yeah, I think that's a helpful aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hey, so Sean, just in conclusion, first of all, thank you for doing this and for sharing your wisdom and your experience with other uh, people who are lay preachers. Could we conclude this by having you pray Mm -hmm. for lay preachers and the specific and unique uh, challenges that they might face? Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you've given us uh, your spirit and uh, thereby the gifts that you've given us to serve and minister to one another, whether it be teaching and preaching or, or other gifts uh, that we all so desperately need uh, to abound in the church. And so, Father, I pray for all uh, the people out there that are, are called to teach, to minister to the congregation. Lord, you know who they are. Uh, we pray that you would just give them confidence moving forward, that they would uh, continue to grow in their knowledge of you and their fellowship with you, that they would know you personally so that they can then turn around and minister to others. Uh, Help them uh, in their congregations, wherever you've placed them, uh, to move forward and to to seek ways to serve, whether it be teaching in the children's ministry, youth ministry, or wherever you would have them serve. I pray for the leadership of those churches, that they would 
take the responsibility on of training uh, young men up uh, to be lay preachers, that they would uh, go out of their way to seek them out and provide classes to provide opportunities uh, for them to to grow and uh, to be ready to serve. And so, Father, I pray that as you call uh, people to serve in this way, that you would bring the leadership and them together uh, to, to share in fellowship and uh, to be ready to serve. So, Father, we look forward to what you're going to do uh, in your church And we look forward to how you're going to continue to equip us uh, to better serve and minister to our congregations. We praise you, Father, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Sean. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, amen. Amen. Uh, Thank you so much, Sean, for sharing uh, the fruit of your labors and your studies, but also your life and your heart uh, with us. Thank you so much. So you heard Sean and Nick speak about the benefits that come from a training event like the Expositors Collective Workshops. And as I mentioned at the beginning, there's one coming up very soon, February 18th and 19th in Costa Mesa, California. You can find the details about registration, costs, uh, even discounts at nearby hotels. All of that you can find at expositorscollective.com. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this episode and the training events and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and your public proclamation of God's word. I hope to see many of you soon in person or on the podcast. All right. God bless.